Thanks, Ron. Uh, Barry St. Clair uh, founded Reach Out You Solutions in 1977, I believe. Uh, Master of Divinity from Southern Baptist in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, Doctor of Ministry uh, from Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. He's authored more than 20 books. Um, he sits on the board for the National uh, Network of Youth Ministries. I believe that's the name. If it's not, I just made it up, and it's a really cool sounding organization. Um, but he is uh, one of the voices in student ministry and training of youth pastors and parents over the last 40 years that when Barry speaks, kind of like E.F. Hutton, if you remember those commercials, people listen, um, probably more so to do with what goes on inside of Barry's life and heart and what his family, he's going to talk to you some a little bit about his family story uh, this morning. Um, Barry is going to be with us at 12.30 as well uh, this afternoon uh, for a Q&A time, an informal uh, luncheon. If you want to grab a sandwich with us, you can. If you want to go home in that break and come back after you've eaten, you can do that as well. But over in West Point, we'll be hanging out to flesh out a little bit more what it looks like. He's going to share some big picture things with you involving how we pour into the next generation, how we maximize our influence uh, we'll be able to get into some nitty-gritty details of what that can actually look like for you within your family with some Q&A time this afternoon from 1230 to 1.30. And then, beginning this Wednesday, uh, his latest book is called Parent Fuel, and this isn't the book, or otherwise it would be really, really thin. But this is a, uh, a, a, a look here of the cover of Parent Fuel, and uh, we will be walking through that book over seven weeks. Uh, with uh, those that are interested in jumping on board on Wednesday night from 6.30 to 8, I'll be facilitating that time and uh, look forward to having you join me with that as well. Uh, Barry, thank you for being here. Uh, thanks for celebrating Labor Day weekend and my birthday with me. Very thankful for that. Hey, there you go. Celebrate my 25th anniversary of being 18. It's a joy. So, thanks, Mike. Heavenly Father, you alone are worthy. Lord, we dedicate this time to you. We lift up our minds and our thoughts to you, Lord. Speak to Barry this morning and let us leave here with changed minds and changed attitudes. Become better followers of you, Lord, as, you're, as we are called to do. It is in your Son's holy name that we pray. Amen. Amen. I'm the Barry that Randy was talking about a few moments ago. I'm delighted to be here with you this Labor Day weekend and uh, wonderful to be in Dallas. This cool weekend. <laughs> so, uh, it's really great to be with you. It's delightful to be with my friend Randy. We've been buddies for a long time. And so just to be with him is a real pleasure. And to be able to speak to you a few minutes is just great. I want to talk to us this morning about how we max out our influence at home. And in order to do that, I kind of give you a little, little quick sketch of my family. I have five children. And of those five children, Five of those are married, okay? That's ten. Those of you who are good at math, okay? It took me a while to figure that one out. Ten of them. And then those ten have a combined uh, number of children that numbers ten. So I have ten grandchildren, and the ages of my grandchildren are two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and eleven. Anybody want to match that? I don't think so. In that, in that while, I planned it that way. It's just really, really amazing. So, um, that's my family. 
little quick sketch is way more under there than that, but I want to just let you know kind of a little bit about that. And as we're talking this morning, I want us to talk about how we max out our influence with our families and whether you're a, well, let me just ask this question. If you're here this morning and you're either a parent or a child, raise your hand. Yes. Okay. So this message is for you. So if you're a grandparent, terrific. If you're a parent, you're a high school student, you're a grade school or whatever, glad you're here. All of us have influence in the context of our family, and we want to talk about how we maximize that influence this morning. In order to do that, I want you to just put, everybody just put one hand up here, okay, just like this, one hand here, and then everybody put one hand out here, okay, Opportunity to injure somebody if you want. So just put your hand out there. Okay. So what I want us to see this morning is what I want you to walk away with this morning is just kind of this clearly in your mind. If we're going to max out our influence, the way we do that is to simply be connected to God. And as we connect to God, we connect to one another. If you're not, oh, get those hands up there. <laughs> so if you're, so don't let me down now. Okay, so if you're if you're connected with God, then you can connect then you can connect with other people and have influence on them. And as I connect other people and as I have a relationship with them, then as they're drawn to my person, then they see God in me because I'm connected to him. And this is sort of the way life works in all relationships, but particularly works that way in the home. Everybody's got their hands up. This guy's down here dancing, man. He's on, he's on it. I love it. Let's get him. Man, he's going to... Okay. So, you can put your hands down now. But I want you to... I said that to you. I show you that illustration because I think that illustration helps us to see in a big picture form exactly what our influence is like. If I'm not connecting to God, then I'm having very little spiritual influence on other people or positive influence on other people. If I'm connecting to God, then I do have that influence. But... I can have some connection to these people out here, but there's no influence on them unless my life is connected back to him. So it all really kind of works together and uh, totally makes sense uh, when we're operating in that in a, in a very positive way. And that's what I want us to kind of look at this morning. I'd like for us to just um, look at uh, one biblical example of what we're talking about here this morning. And I want us to look at Jesus' parents. Now, this time we look at this passage over Christmas, but I want to talk about it now in terms of Mary and Joseph and how they maxed out their influence on Jesus and let them sort of be our guide here as we walk through this. Three things about Mary and Joseph that were true. One is that uh, they were imperfect, that, that helped them to max out their influence. One, they were imperfect parents, but they relied on God's resources. Second thing about Mary and Joseph was that they knew their parenting purpose. And number the third thing they knew is that, that they, to max out their influence on Jesus, is that they knew their own hearts and they helped Jesus explore his heart. And I think when we as parents understand what Mary and Joseph did, understand what God is after with us as parents, as grandparents, as kids in our family, then the result of that is going to be that we're going to we're going to max out that influence. But if we don't understand these three things that sort of that sort of guided the life of Mary and Joseph, then it'll be hard for us to have that kind of influence that we really want to have. So 
Let's walk into this just a little bit. Here's the first point we want to make, and that is this, that parents are not perfect, but we uh, also uh, do have God's resources. So as we're looking at that, let's just think about that a second and say these things out loud. Just say this with me. Parents aren't perfect, never have been, and never will be. Do I hear an amen to that? Okay. And um, let's just go ahead and finish that out and just say, and kids aren't perfect either. We can say that. Yes. Do I hear an amen to that? Even this morning. Yeah. Okay. So we get, we get, we can say those things. Parents are perfect. Never have been. Never will be. And as a result of that, we often, uh, end up in our parenting paralyzed and, and operating out of all the things we haven't done right rather than the things that need to happen in, in a positive manner. I was just thinking back about when my son Jonathan, my, he's my third child, but he, he was about eight. We had this missionary couple that came over to our home uh, to eat dinner with us and because they, uh, I had met them and they, and they had seen our family and, and, and looked at our family and said, this is a close and loving family and we want to learn from the St. Clairs how we too can be parents who have a close and loving family. So we invited them over to dinner and we sat down for dinner around our table and all was going well in our close and loving family until Jonathan disobeyed his mother. Okay, so he did that and disobedience meant sort of we had some repercussion from that down the road there. So I said, Jonathan, go to your room. And so he, instead of just getting up and quietly going to his room, he jumped, pulled the chair up, banged it down, scooted it back, threw it down and screeched off into his room, obviously really upset. Okay, so here he goes. He's off to his room and now we're sitting there. With our friends, uh, sort of the little zip gone out of the close and loving family conversation. So then we're, so, so we're, we're continuing on here. And in a few minutes, you know how you are as a parent. Okay. I'm, 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 we're eating this dinner and I'm thinking about my son and we kind of eat the dinner and we go downstairs and my mind is thinking about him. So we go downstairs and I sort of scoot around to the side to the room next to the den where everybody else is sitting. And I knock on Jonathan's door. I said, Jonathan. And as soon as I knocked on his door, he says this. Dad, get away from here because I don't want to talk to you. Come down the hall to the missionary couple, our close and loving family. And also, I go back in there, you know, sort of sheepishly and still thinking about this whole thing. The conversation sort of, you know, meandering around by now. And so I'm thinking about Jonathan. He's thinking about what he said to me, what he's done to his family. A little tension there. So I walk back over there in a little bit and just check on him again. So I knock on the door this time, nice and quietly, hoping he won't yell. And and I just I knock and nothing. So I knock again and nothing. So I walk back through the room to go outside because I had to go through that room. And I'm sort of embarrassingly walking. Excuse me, I'll be back soon. I'm going to check on my son by looking in his window. Okay, so I go outside... And I go around to his window to see what's going on in there. The window is up. The screen is out. The boy has run away from home. I go back in, get the mission, my wife, the missionary couple. We all pile in the car. Now we're in the car, driving down the street, looking for the runaway. All of a sudden, I spot him. I speed up. He sees me. He speeds up. 
He's running down the street. I'm driving the car down the street. Finally, I catch up to him. I got out. I grabbed him, threw him in the trunk, tied him up. No, I didn't do that. We put him in the car. We drove home. Total silence. The missionary got out, a couple got out of the car, left, and I promise, we have never heard from them again. <laughs> now, I don't know what your stories are, and we've got some that are way more difficult than that one. That's just sort of like on the, on the top there. But the truth is, all of us have stuff like that, and all of us are in families where there's difficulty and conflict and, and tension and goofy runaway kids and parents who aren't all we're supposed to be. And so we look around at ourselves and we just can simply say with a great deal of enthusiasm, you know, we're just a dysfunctional mess. We can say that. Say, we're just a dysfunctional mess. Go ahead. Help yourself right out there, right out loud. Okay? So our family is just a dysfunctional mess. And so what we do then as a result of that in our parenting is we is we kind of go, okay, so... Things aren't working well here, and I'm not sure exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. And so we stay up here on the surface, we operate on the superficial level, and we don't go really down very deep with our kids because we feel paralyzed. We're paralyzed to enter into their lives, and we're always living in the shoulda, coulda, wouldas, instead of what we really need to, where we really need to be operating, and that is, Realizing that we're dysfunctional, but also, and imperfect, and, but also realizing that we have the resources of God, which is the absolute key. Now, I don't rely on the resources of God. I've experienced this in my own life. I don't rely on God's resources until I have run out of steam on my own resources. So when I can recognize that imperfection, call it what it is, tell myself I'm a mess, tell myself that I'm an imperfect parent, that I'm dysfunctional in what I'm doing and I'm going to mess up my kids, Okay, then I can say, God, have mercy on me. Help me to be the parent I need to be. And then I can go into God's Word and I can see things like this. Just, this is just a little hint of the thousands of, of resources that God has for us. But over in Romans chapter 5, verse 3, he says, But now we've received the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our suffering. Because suffering produces perseverance, perseverance or character and character hope, and hope does not disappoint us. Why? Because, ha, resource. God has poured out His Spirit into His love into our hearts through the Spirit which He has given us. One little little thing there. Just one little verse that says to me, as a parent, you know what? I am dysfunctional. I can get paralyzed. There are a lot of mistakes I've made, but that doesn't put me on the sidelines. In fact, what puts me back on the field here to be able to be the parent I need to be is the fact that I am that way and that I have to rely on the resources of God and I do have His love poured into my heart and I do have His Spirit in me and everything that I need is Peter, First Peter, Second Peter says, I do have all things that pertain to life and godliness and everything, every resources I, that I need as a parent, I have already. Praise God. That takes all the guilt out, takes all the shame away, takes all the past mistakes off off the screen, and puts it right up here. You know, I'm relying on God's resources in spite of my imperfections. Woo! 
That is awesome. Is that awesome? If it is, just say yes. Okay. That's the first thing I want you to see. If you want to max out your influence, you come to the place where you're at the end of yourself, realize who you are and your imperfections, and say, God, I'm relying on you and all that you have given me in Jesus Christ through his death on the cross to be able to do the things that I need to do as a parent. All I need to be as a parent, number one. Second thing I want you to see. This, this was, by the way, this was Mary and Joseph. That was their, that was their deal because they, they were not perfect parents, by the way. In fact, they were uneducated. All the things that we look to today as being a good parent, they were not. They were uneducated. They were from this little bitty hick town. Uh, Mary was a teenager. Joseph was a, was a carpenter who didn't have, who, who didn't have an education himself. And uh, God says, tell you what, I'm going to take this little couple right here who has no real ability in their own to be, be all that they need to be, but I'm picking them out and I'm setting them aside and I'm going to give them my resources, the resource of my spirit. Over in Luke, it talks about that. You know, the Holy Spirit's come upon me, Mary says, and entered into me and God gave her the resources that she needed and that Joseph needed to be the mother and the father of the Son of God himself. Now, if God did that for, that for Mary, God did that for Joseph, i got great confidence that he can do that for me, and he wants to do that for you. Second way we max out our influence is this, is that we, is that we understand our parenting purpose. Now, Mary and Joseph understood this. They were, they really, they got a hold of this. And, um, and in Luke 2.22, it says this, Joseph and Mary took Jesus to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. That was their first priority when this baby was born. And in Luke 2.39, and when Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, everything that God had asked them to do, following God's commands, they presented their son to the Lord. That is so awesome. They understood their parenting purpose. And our parenting purpose is the same parenting purpose that Mary and Joseph had. Okay? And it's really the same basic purpose of you being in this church. In fact, if you don't mind, just take a turn your head and just turn sort of that direction right there. Okay? Just turn that direction. Look right up there. And let's all out loud read the scripture that's on the wall. Okay? Let's just read it together. Let's start right here right now. Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Get it? There it is. Okay? There it is. Love God. We love others. You don't love God, you don't have the capacity to love others. You want to love others? You want to love your kids? You want to max out your influence on your kids? Psh, comes back to my relationship to God. That is our parenting purpose. So, I want you to say this out loud with me. My parenting purpose is, say that. To love God with all my heart. And to lead my kids to do the same. And in a world where there is distraction and and 
pulling, cultural pulling, and all kinds of stuff that's going on around us that we could spend an hour talking about in terms of cultural dysfunction out there. We can simply say this morning that with all that stuff going around us, all of our busyness, all the craziness, all the schedule stuff that you guys are getting into with the fall right now that just looks sort of like this, you can always come back and go, right here, okay? Hmm. Parenting purpose. Love God with all my heart. Lead my kids to do the same. Mary and Joseph understood that. Moses understood that. And it's through Jesus' parents and looking back and learning the Old Testament that Jesus brought this to us. When you turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, it says this. Moses, by the way, context, is speaking to about a million people out there. It's his last talk he's ever going to give, and he's going on over up to be with his people, as the Bible says. So he's, he's going to die here in a bit. So he's going off. And he's standing here in front of these people, obviously well prepared, obviously well thought out what he's going to say. And he says to the people there, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And then he says this, These commandments which I have given you today are to be upon your hearts. Not your children's hearts, but first on your hearts. Speaking to the parents out there, these commands are to be upon your hearts. And then he says, impress these on your children. Talk about them when you're sitting at home, when you're walking along the way, when you're lying down and when you're getting up. Tie them around your wrists. Bind them on your foreheads. In other words, get a wristband that says love God. Get a, get a, a, a headband that says love God. On the doorpost of your home, write love God. And on the door and, and on the gate outside, you write love God. Because I want you to get this point clear at every point, 24-7, all the time. Do not forget, here's what your parenting purpose is. It is to love God with all your hearts. And these commands... Your primary purpose in knowing this then and extending this is that you're to impress these things upon your children 24-7. Well, we got a problem with that. Because most evangelical parents lean the ladder against the wrong wall. So here, here we are. We stand over here at this wall. We're leaning the ladder against this wall. We want to climb up this wall here. Climb up this ladder. And over here on the wrong wall, here's the question. It's on the wall. How do I help my children turn out right? Wrong question. Because when you start climbing up that ladder and you, you start up the rungs of it, you're walking up the rungs of external motivation. Achievement, performance, perfection, all those kinds of things. And so the result of that is that kids then begin to operate on what is going to bring, to, to please my dad. And most guys and a lot of kids would say, I've never pleased my dad in my whole life. What do I do to please my dad? What do I do to find acceptance? How do I know who, how do I know who I am? I, I, climbing up that ladder does not lead to that, does not lead to acceptance. It causes kids to compare themselves to others. 
And as a result of all that, kids climb up this ladder, and when they get to the top of it, they are kids who are not functioning in acceptance and identity and all the things that you got to do to be able to live well in this life. Extrinsic motivation is the end result of climbing up this ladder. And yet, though we we have this on the wall, though we say we believe that, our practical theology is that we lean the ladder against this wall. How do I help my children turn out right? How do I help my children to achieve and perform and all those things that are external in nature? Take the ladder, bring it over here, put it against this wall, and here's the question, the right question. The question is this, how do I help my kids love Jesus more? That's the right question. How do I help my kids love Jesus more? And when you're climbing up that ladder, the lat, you climbing up a ladder of intrinsic motivation, where kids are motivated from the inside rather than from the outside. And instead of insecurity and insignificance and feeling like they're being compared and all these other things that you get over here, kids then are feeling embraced by the love of God because they're being embraced by the love of their parents. And as a result of, of being embraced by the love of God, they learn and discover in your home who they are, their identity, most important issue for a kid to know before he graduates from high school, their identity, their, the fact that they are accepted for who they are, no matter what they are like or who they, or what their out, external circumstances are, they're accepted for who they are. And not only are they accepted for who they are, and not only do they know who they are, but then their behavior becomes behavior that's motivated and driven by obedience to a God they love rather than the approval and acceptance of everybody around them. This is major, folks. This is major. This wall here, this wall here. If I'm going to implement my parenting purpose to love God with all my heart and leave my kids to do the same, i got to get the ladder against the right wall. And say to myself, day after day, how do I help my kids love Jesus more? Number three, third thing about Mary and Joseph that we see on how they maxed out their influence and how we max out our influence uh, is this. God desires for us, just as he did with Mary and Joseph, to know our own hearts and to help our kids. No, there's. Okay? Mary said this, Luke 2, 51, I think it is. She says, Mary, treasure these things in her heart. And she pondered them in her heart. Mary was in touch with her own heart. And the thing I would say to us this morning is that God wants you, as a parent, to be in touch with your own heart. Moses said back in that passage, these commands which I give to you today are to be upon your heart and then impress these things on your children's hearts. And so our children's heart is the key, the doorway, the pathway into fulfilling our parenting purpose, bringing God's resources into their lives. And the only way that we do that is to unlock the key of their hearts. When my daughter Jenny, who is number four in the birth order, she's 
nine years younger than the next oldest one in our family. When Jenny was ten, her mother, my wife, died. And when Carol died, it was a tragic experience for our family. Very, very difficult to understate the situation. Jenny and I were living together, single dad, mom without, uh, daughter without her mom, and the two of us were doing our best to make it every day, basically. And Jenny, I would ask Jenny how she was doing, because I knew she, I knew she wasn't doing well, because I'd hear her cry in her room, and um, but she never let me see that. And I'd ask her how she's doing, and she'd say, "I'm fine, Dad. Dad, I'm fake smile. I'm fine." And I, I would, I knew she wasn't doing that fine, and I would often ask her, "Jenna, I'm not sure about that, and uh, I want to, I want us to talk about that." And she said, one night, I remember this so clearly, we're standing at the top of the stairs, and I said, I, I'd heard her crying before, and I said, Jenny, how are you doing? She says, Dad, I'm fine. And I said, Jenna, I'm, I don't think you're really doing that fine. And she says, Dad, Dad. You've heard that before. Dad, she says. And she holds her fingers up just like this. See this right here? This is a box. Inside this box are my feelings and emotions. She says, and they're my feelings and they're my emotions, and you're not going to get in there. So I walked away from that experience very sad because I knew that Jenny was going inside with her feelings, and at some point those feelings would come out. The top of that box would bulge and the top would come off, but I didn't have any idea when it would be. We went on. We managed our lives along through those years and lots of rocky stuff. But when she was about 15 or 16, right in that time, um, she began to, her, her sweet little spirit and attitude began to turn sour. Her honest words became dishonest words. Her music that she'd listened to completely changed in a negative direction. The dreaded first boyfriend came on the scene. And so we had all these things that were going on, and I'm going, the top is bulging and going to burst soon. And I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. So what do you want me to do? And the Lord just said to me two really clear things. Number one, Mary, I want you to just delight in your daughter. And uh, that was easy for me to do. It's like I just want, And he said, no, I want you to delight in your daughter in a way that you get off your agenda and onto her agenda that you get into her heart. And the second thing I want you to do is to make time every week for Jenny to let her know who you are and how you are and to let, ask her who she is and how she how she is and to explore her heart. Okay. And I thought and prayed about how I, how I go about that, and I, I had no idea. And so after thinking about it a little bit, the Lord just kind of said to me, just ask her. So I said to Jenny one day, I said, Jenny, I said, here's what, here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to get to know you better and I want you to get to know me better. I want to explore your heart. I want you to explore my heart. I want to kind of us to take a look inside and see what's in there. And she probably, I said, can we do that? She probably said, no, we can't. And I said, well, Jen, I tell you what, quick come back here. I said, how about if we go to Starbucks and I pay and we just go one time and then if you don't want to do it anymore, we don't have to do it. She said, okay. We went, 
And in between the time we set that up and the time we went, the Lord was just showing me things along the way. He said, Barry, I want you to do this. Sip it. Sip it. This is not about you. This is about her. So you be quiet. All you're there for is to ask questions and ask clarifying questions to see how she's doing. You're not there to give her advice. You're not there to tell her what to do. You're not there to instruct her. You're not there to correct her. You're there just to be quiet and listen a lot. So we get there, and, she, and I asked Jenny a couple of questions, and boy, she just started in. She began to talk to me. And it, was a, it was school. It was grades. It was friends. It was homecoming. It was car. It was, it was money, never having enough. It was the boy, dreaded boyfriend. It was this and that and the other, and she talked, and then the cell phone would ring, and then it would ring again. And we'd talk. She'd talk three minutes, and I'm just sitting there going, rrr, 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 you know. And so, but I'm going, okay, this is not my agenda. This is her agenda. Not my time. It's her time. The point here is not to, about me, but to explore her heart. About six weeks into this, we're sitting there one day, and I said something, some comment, and it just blew the lid off that box. She got so angry. She got so angry. Right there in the middle of the place. Boy, it was just flying, and she was just hot. And when the anger had calmed down just a little bit, I said, Jenny, who are you angry with? Are you angry at, are you angry at me? Yes. Are you angry at Lawana, her stepmother? Yes. Are you angry at, at God? Yes. Are you angry at your mother for dying? Yes. She's angry at everybody. And it's just kind of, and that happened over, really over the next two or three weeks, Jenny, three or four weeks, Jenny's just, just exploding at every turn. But with all the explosion, as that anger was coming out, as her heart was being exposed, the thing that began to happen was that all that anger going out, just in a supernatural way, the Lord poured his love into her heart through his spirit, which was living in her. And I began to see an attitude change, an honesty return, different music, reaching out to her friends, whole new perspective on desire to, to know God. And the dreaded boyfriend went away. Praise God. <laughs> so, so all of a sudden things began to turn here in a really serious way. That's not the end of the story. Jane and I continued to meet like that through her senior year, just looking at each other's hearts. And then when she went off to college, she had an eating disorder, all directly related back to this. It's a part of God's healing process in her life that wasn't just some kind of, I don't want you to walk away thinking, boy, you just do these things. Boom, it's just like that. It happens in four weeks. These are processes that we go through when we've got wounding and hurt and pain in our, in our families. Here's what I want you to get from that. It wasn't about her behavior. It was about her heart. That's where we get confused. It wasn't about her behavior. It was about her heart. And what happens so many times, the purpose of our home is to be a place where kids are nourished and nurtured and encouraged and loved and, and, and all those things. And when they go out in the world, they get their hearts hurt and they get wounded and they experience pain and they come back home to experience that nurturing and that love and that care and that acceptance and the presence of God there. But so often what happens is that parents in the home are the ones who, worse than being out there, wound their kids, hurt their kids, bring pain to their kids. Not because you want to, but because you don't even know your own heart. 
There are dads in this room that way know way more about the scores yesterday in the ball games than they know about their own heart. I've been there. I know that. Been there myself. And I'm simply saying to us this morning, no, it's not about correcting my kids' behavior and making sure they they behave properly and achieve properly. No, it's about exploring their hearts and helping them deal with the pain that's in there and letting God bring healing to that pain because we take the time and give them the focused attention that makes us the primary person who's exploring their hearts and giving them an opportunity to know their own hearts. Yeah. That's right. Jesus knew it was right. Mary and Joseph knew it was right. Moses knew it was right. And so I'm simply saying here this morning to you, this is where we need to be. And it's a turn. It all looks like we can just kind of enter into the stuff and do the carpool thing, do the schedule thing, do the kids thing, do this and this and run all over the place and, and deal with behavior and correct our kids' behavior. And there's nothing wrong with, with some of that in its proper place. But the proper focus is right back here. Lord, I'm dysfunctional. I need your resources. And as I call on your resources, you guide me and lead me in my parenting purpose so that I am loving God with all my heart and leading my kids to do the same. And as I'm doing that, I do it through the pathway of my child's heart. And I take the time and give them the focused attention to enter into their hearts and to touch their hearts in a way that brings God to them, love to them, life to them, so that, as a parent, I can max out my influence in their lives. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, may the things that we have said just now, may the things that we have said just now, Resonate with us. May we take them in and may we explore them more. And will you, Lord, just do a work in us that would cause the things that we've talked about this morning to be very real to us because we turn to you, raise our hand to you because we turn to our kids and reach out our hand to our kids. And we connect and influence and make a huge difference there for the glory of God. May it be so. Amen.